Good morning, everybody. How's it going today? All right, good to see you. Wave at me a little bit. Everybody awake today? You have enough coffee this morning? Enough donuts? Get your energy up, right? How many of you know the right ratio for church is about two parts Holy Spirit, two parts coffee? Maybe three parts Holy Spirit, two parts coffee? It's okay, you can laugh. You're like, I feel like I'm going to get struck by lightning if I laugh at that joke. And only I would get struck, not you, so don't worry. But I'm so excited to be at church with you guys today. Incredible day to be here. If this is your first time, welcome to Joy Church. And today you get a free t-shirt, and it's this t-shirt. Not this specific individual t-shirt, but this design of a t-shirt. And uh, we do this every year. We call it I Love My Church Sunday. And uh, it's so awesome. Maybe you're like, well, I've only been here, uh, this is my first time, and so I don't even know if I like this church. I'm not really to fully say I love this church. Well, you will eventually. And um, we at least want to give you a free t-shirt to help you along the journey of that, right? I think I, I'm not, I don't know if I like him, but I don't know if I'm in like with him yet. Anyways, moving on. Excited to be in church today. So excited for what God's doing. Yesterday, we had a wonderful time doing City Serve. How many of you were there at City Serve yesterday? It was awesome. There was a, about 100 of us at Shasta Middle School uh, able to do about four hours of work and serving that school, painting, uh, fixing things, building benches. I'm putting myself in like I do these things. I was just the guy with the rake. Like, Jake, don't mess anything up, right? Just, you know, I was really there for PR. Take a picture of the pastor raking, you know what I mean? Good to see everybody here. Uh, <laughs> but we had a wonderful time serving. What an awesome thing that we got to do. And just love being a part of this church. This is such a great church. And so, man, we love to wear these I Love My Church t-shirts, and I'm excited to rep mine, and I hope you're excited to rep yours the rest of the year. Does anybody have the old school one from last year? Well, stand up, though, if you've got it on. Anybody wearing it today? A lot of people were first service. Anybody? Boom, Amy, right on. Yay. So that's cool. That one's great. Somebody says, do I have to turn my old one back in before I get the new one? No, you, you get it. Bruce, you're actually wearing the old one underneath the new one, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so excited for that. So at the end of service today, when you go out, uh, hit up the table right there. You get a free t-shirt. If for some reason we don't have your size, let the team know and just give them your social security number, mother's maiden name, driver's license number, credit card, and we'll get you a t-shirt. No, I'm kidding. Just uh, let them know and get your name down and we will order your size for you because if you came today, you get a t-shirt. Cool? You excited about that? Well, today we're finishing up a series that we launched, started a couple weeks ago, called Give It Away. And we've been learning about giving our lives away and Jesus inviting us into a brand new way to live, a new way to be human. You know, the world that we live in right now is about the rat race and climbing the corporate ladder and trying to step on other people to get ahead, right? But Jesus said that, right? Okay, Jesus said that way of life isn't, doesn't lead you to be fulfilled. When you seek to build up your own life, when you seek to save your life, he says in Matthew 16, that's actually when you lose it. And so Jesus invites us into a new way of living and a life where we learn to give our life away, uh, where we learn to follow Jesus. And so we've been talking about this idea and we've talked about the idea of living a life of service, right? Uh, we talked about that last week. Two weeks ago, we talked about the idea of going after justice, that we, we use our voice, we put our reputation on the line, that we actually speak up for the oppressed, that we actually speak up for the downtrodden, that as followers of Jesus, we're not called to be cowards. Come on, somebody. We're called to be courageous, right, in our culture and actually stand up for truth and not just be selectively indignant, right? 
regardless of what side of the political spectrum you find yourself on. I know that in this room, we've got blue, red, purple, green, whatever other colors are going on in the political spectrum, all here today, right? Come on. And you don't have to identify what you are because I don't care. What, what we really need is Jesus. Come on. Regardless of what side of the political spectrum we come from, but we can get selectively indignant, can't we? Well, I'm mad about this or I'm mad about this issue. And Jesus wants us to care about every issue of justice, right? We're called to give our lives away. So he told his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. How many of you know every, everybody in life is pursuing something? They're laying their life down for something. In the words of the inestimable prophet Bob Dylan, you're gonna have to serve somebody, right? In life, everybody's aiming somewhere. We're all spending our life. The question isn't whether you're living your life for something, it's are you living it for the right thing? And Jesus says, listen, there's a way that looks good to people, the natural way to hang on to your life, to build up yourself, to receive, to be a taker, to just give in to what you want and, and, and put yourself first. But listen, if you really want to follow me and if you really want to connect with God's plan for your life, you're going to need to give up your life for the right reason, give it up for the sake of Christ. And so that's what we're learning about in this series. And today, I'm excited to share with you on the topic of generosity. And I want to talk about money. Somebody say money. Now somebody say, uh-oh, because we're talking about money in church. Oh my goodness, right? Well, listen, we're not taking up a special offering. There's no push against you or anything like that today. But how many of you know that our, our posture of our heart and how we use our money and our resources is an indicator of where our heart is in relationship with God. You can't say, well, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, but we can't talk about money. Because if you want to be a follower of Jesus, it's got to be everything. Hanging on to your life, you can't say, well, I'm going to give part of my life to Jesus and I'll follow him in my sexuality and I'll follow him in my, uh, in my religious attendance on Sundays and I'll follow Jesus in my politics, but I won't follow Jesus in my resources. <clears throat> Wrong answer, right? We're called to give it all. I love the story that comes out of history that the Vikings, which are just some of the most awesome people ever because, ah, you know what I mean? Come from the land of ice and snow, right? So the Vikings, not the Minnesota Vikings, the actual Vikings, right? The actual Viking people get in these awesome long boats and they're, I mean, I don't, I don't condone their actions. I would have been like the guy with the tonsure in the tower, like, please don't kill me, you know? But the, 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 the priest right up in the tower guarding the jewels, you know. So anyways, the Vikings come and Christianity swept into uh, the area of the world where the Vikings were in Sweden and Finland, all this area. And there's stories that, that, that come down in history of Vikings that would be baptized, right? They go down into the water, but they would hold their arm, their sword arm out of the water because they were holding on to their identity saying, I, my identity is that I'm a, a pillager, right? Like I'm a, I'm a warrior. And so they had to say, no, you can't hold the sword arm up out of the water. If you follow Jesus, it's got to be all the way, right? Got to go down into the water. Now, I just had the opportunity to baptize my son Jack this week in the McKinsey River, which was so cool. But I saw the picture and the water was so cold, right? So I'm like, Jack, you okay? And I'm like prepping him, like putting water on his back. And he's like, I'm ready for this, you know? It counts more if the water's cold. Is that not true? And I put him in, you know, Jack, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. You know, I do the whole thing. But I saw the picture and his foot was up out of the water. So we got to redo it. It didn't count. It didn't count. But how many of you know, God, when you give your life to Jesus, it's all in. You can't be halfway. So you go, well, is that, what does that have to do with talking about money? It's just saying God wants to get a hold of all of us. 
A lot of people say, well, you know, the church just wants my money. God is a whole religion thing. It's a big scam. All they want is your money. That is so wrong. God wants way more than your money. He wants everything about your life. God wants your Netflix. Come on. He wants your browsing history. God wants your heart. He wants your relationships. God wants it all. And that doesn't mean that he leaves you empty. It means that God wants to get your heart aligned and teach you how to live your life in a way that is honoring to him and that will ultimately fulfill you. So we're going to jump in today and talk about generosity. Uh, I won't talk about our church um, a whole lot. I, I, I just, to me, I love being a part of a church that's generous. You know, yesterday, like I said, we, about 100 of us, we were able to give 400 hours collectively to serve a local school, an underprivileged school in a, in a neighborhood in Eugene. Uh, today, we're going to give, is it a, it's 100 backpacks. I think I said 1,000 at the last service, and that's incorrect. So let's remove that, redact that from the record, please. But we're giving 100 backpacks loaded with school supplies to underprivileged children today at the, at the school fair. So really exciting. Our church gives 10% every single month to world missions, to local missions, to church planting. Uh, God has stirred us to be a generous church. So give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, good job, church. We're generous. We, we love to give. That's a value that we have. We're not about, well, what can we do to bless ourselves? We want to let God bless us so we can be a blessing for others. But I want to jump in today as we finish up this series about giving our life away and just talk about this area of money and resources. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, he's, he's speaking to Jesus, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. How many of you know if you're a parent, there's always a, something you have to adjudicate? Mom, Jack took the peanut butter. Mom, I didn't get as much as he did, right? It's always about fair and justice and all this. Well, Jesus had to deal with it too. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware. That's a big word from Jesus, isn't it? Pay attention here. Listen to this. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Jesus tells us there's multiple types of greed. Do you know you can be poor, dirt poor, and be ruthlessly greedy? You could be really rich and be greedy, but being greedy isn't about how much or how little you have. It's about the posture of your heart. Jesus says, beware, you got to guard against every kind of greed. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. And what Jesus is doing here is redirecting our priority. He's saying, you think that life is going to be fulfilled and measured by the, the, the amount of your possessions, but that's not the measurement of life. There's a new way to be human. Got to learn this new way to lay your life down. And then Jesus told them a story in verse 16. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Or as Nacho Libre would say, easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. How many of you know if God calls you a fool? I think I need to make some different life decisions at this point. I check myself before I wreck myself. God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. And then who will get everything you worked for? In another translation, it says, your soul will be required of you tonight. 
Hopefully you're wearing Depends if God says this to you, because there's going to be an involuntary flow of bodily fluids at this moment, right? If God says, you fool, I mean, this is an intense statement. Your, your soul is required of you. This lady back there is just cracking up. I love it. Thank you. That's awesome. God says, your soul is required. Like, I'm, I'm holding you to account. How did you live your life? What was your priority? Your soul is required. When you die, who's going to get all these things that you've stored up, everything you've worked for? And then Jesus culminates with this statement. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus says the real priority, the real target of life should be that everything about our life is after having a rich relationship with God. And let me just tell you right now, as we talk about money, some of you are gonna be sitting here going, well, I don't have any money, so this message isn't for me. Wrong. Or I have a lot of money and I already do what's right with my money, da, da, da. No, this message is for everybody because this statement that Jesus makes is not about how little or how much you have. It's about what your heart looks like with regards to this area in relationship with God and with others. And so Jesus says, listen, the, the real target is a rich relationship with God. All that that connotates, a rich relationship with God doesn't just mean that you do your daily devotions and that you read a precious moments, you know, devotional uh, and, and, and half of a scripture every day. And that means a rich relationship with God. That's not what it means. Nor does it mean that you spend hours in prayer. No, a rich relationship with God is speaking about the whole person. It's like in a marriage, my relationship with my wife, it's physical, yes. Is it, it's emotional, yes. It's intellectual, yes. It's spiritual, yes. It's everything, it's a rich relationship. And our relationship is not just what happens between us, it's how we interact with the world around us. It's how, you know, if I make a decision uh, with another person, come on, you know what I'm talking about right here, to get intimate with somebody else, my, I'm not gonna say, well, that, wasn't, that didn't affect our relationship. That was between me and this other person. How many of you know that it's not gonna fly? And my wife is Scottish, so she put a sword through me, you know? She was like, freedom! I'm Sicilian, so man, we don't mess with each other because Sicilians and Scottish people, they know how to throw it down, if you know what I'm talking about. Messing with me, you'd be sleeping with the fishes. Forget about it. Anyways, <laughs> Jesus says a rich relationship with God. That should be the target of our life. That should be the thing that we live for. And in this passage, he gives us three wrong views about money. Three wrong perspectives that I think each of us will probably see reflected in our own heart as I go through these. And it's all in verse 19 where this man, the rich fool, he says, I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you, you have enough stored away for years to come. This is the first one that's wrong. It's this perspective of prideful self-sufficiency. I have enough to take care of myself and what? I don't need God. I don't need God to be my provider. I don't need a rich relationship with him because I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm good, I've stored up enough. Now you might say, well, man, you know, I don't really think that. Well, for me, this is one that I'm tempted by to, to, to like prepare and save and, and build up the accounts and make sure that I've got my emergency fund and my emergency emergency fund and my double alert, red alert, if the universe ends and there actually are aliens emergency fund. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I like to prepare. I like to feel safe and secure. But what Jesus is identifying here, he's not saying it's wrong to save. What he's saying is, if your money now becomes a surrogate provider, a surrogate God, where you no longer trust in God to be your resource or your source in the area of finances, then you've missed it. So maybe you're here today and you're like, well, man, I got my job comes first because if I lose this job, then there's nothing else for me. That's not trusting in God as your provider. I don't care who you work for. Starbucks is not your God. That's not your provider. Dutch Brothers is not your provider. 
Joy Church is not my provider as my employer. I'm blessed to work here, but who's my provider? God. Who is your provider? It's not your employer, it's your God. But this is a wrong perspective about money that we can get to, this self-sufficiency, but it's pride, okay? Money becomes God in that situation. Number two, this rich fool says, now take it easy. Here's the second temptation, the second wrong view about money is this view of laziness, that money gets me off the hook to work. And I'm not talking about working you know, as a mechanic or working as a financial advisor. I'm talking about your kingdom purpose, the reason God put you on this planet. Can I tell you when, you when you get to retire from the kingdom of God? When you die. When you stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, now you've entered into retirement. Until that point, I don't care if you're 85 years old, You've got purpose. Your days are loaded with potential. God has a plan for you. You can begin to, to bring the gospel into the community around you. Come on. When this city still looks like it has hell's handprints on it, we still have work to do, my friends. Okay, we don't take a day off from the kingdom of God. If you're tired, rest, but then get back up because it's time to do something. Come on, it's time to, 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 to be the, the image bearers of God and reflect his goodness and glory into the world. And so what is this false view of money? What does it look like? It's that when money becomes this thing that lets me live a life of leisure without a, not a life of purpose that God made me for. He says, take it easy, take it easy. And this is a temptation, isn't it? Well, when I get to this level of income, then I can take it easy. I don't have to worry about you know, working hard. I don't have to, to worry about the purposes and plans of God. And I just wanna encourage you, man, if God blesses me with, with vast wealth, I'm still gonna get up every day and put my boots on and go into the battle. I'm not gonna say, you know, oh, I, I'm just gonna take it easy in life and try to be safe and secure. That's not the reason that Jesus pulled me from the clutches of Satan. That's not the reason that he redeemed me was to just take it easy. He wants me to put myself into the game. Come on, if you've been at Joy Church for longer than 10 minutes, you know that our church is about getting people out of the stands onto the field. Come on, this isn't a church where you can just sit and be comfortable. We do have the most comfortable chairs in town. That's true. Bums everywhere have spoken, and it's true that this is the most comfortable chair. But listen, we are here for an hour on Sunday so we can go out and kick the devil's rear end all over town the rest of the week. All right. Say, Pastor, you're preaching today. Okay. So three wrong views about money. The third one that Jesus illuminates in this passage is this rich fool. He says, now take it easy and then eat, drink, and be merry. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating, drinking, and being merry, whatever being merry means. Makes me think of Robin Hood and green tights, you know, the merry men. Most of my skinny jeans are about like that, but anyways, but they're not green, so. <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. This is living for pleasure. Using my resources simply to make myself comfortable, to feed my desires, to feed my appetites, to get what I want, when I want it, how I want it, right? And Jesus says, that's not the way. Don't be self-sufficient without God. Don't, don't use money as an excuse to get out of your God-given destiny. And don't just live for yourself, live for pleasure. These are three wrong views about money. And what does it come down to? It's, it comes down to this. Don't get caught in the trap of chasing riches or one of these expressions of riches rather than a rich relationship with God. So what we should do in our life is say, you know what? My money is an aspect of how I express value and how I express worship. And so I want my money to be a tool that I use to connect me with God, not money as a way to, get, to disconnect me from God. When our money becomes subservient to God's kingdom, what we recognize is it's all God's. God has put me in charge of these resources as a steward, 
and I want to use them how God would want them to be used, that would make my relationship with him more rich. Come on, somebody. And it's not that God wants you to be poor. He wants to, you know, you're supposed to give everything away and live in a, a paper bag on the street. That's not what he's, being say, what he's saying here. It's saying, is your, are your resources directed to pursue a rich relationship with God? And Jesus is talking about a heart posture. It's not about where your bank account level is at this moment. It's about a heart posture, whether you have a lot, a little, or somewhere in between. It's about generosity versus greed. It's about trust versus worry. It's about faith versus fear. And it's about God's kingdom versus our life or our kingdom. It's about putting him first. I don't have time to go into the rest of this passage in Luke chapter 12, but I'd encourage you, if you want to continue to look into how Jesus talked about money, to follow through from verse 35 and keep keep going through, or uh, uh, verse 22 rather, up to verse 35, where Jesus talks about money and he talks about storing up treasures in heaven and how to not worry. And if God cares for the, the birds and, and he clothes the flowers, is he not going to take care of you? And it's just a wonderful way to get your heart connected with how God thinks about money. But it comes down to this. Am I using my resources to build a rich relationship with God? Is that what it's for? I remember the day that I, I went down to K Jewelers. And there's only one reason in 19, or I think I was 21, 20. Yeah, my wife's like, who are you buying a ring for? <laughs> 20, 21 years old. There's only uh, one reason why that young of a man goes to K Jewelers, and it's to get a ring on that thing. If you know what I'm talking about? Like, I remember buying, some of the older people are like, what? Anyways, I love you guys. But we, I went down to K Jeweler and I bought a diamond ring. And I had to open up my pocketbook, right? I had to pretty much empty out the savings. I mean, it was all in pursuit of a singular objective because I had this beautiful, gorgeous brunette woman, my wife, Bethany, not at the time my wife. We weren't married before anyways. I wanted her to be my wife. And so I invested everything to pursue that relationship, to get that ring. Think about the joy, though. I wasn't there going, man, this is so expensive. Oh, I, I, I want to just get the very least I possibly can. It was about, man, I want to make her happy. I want to see her eyes dance. I want to have a rich relationship. And that should be a heart with God. How can I use my resources to create a rich relationship with him? I want to have that rich relationship, that changed heart. All right, you guys with me today? You good? So I want to give you three steps this morning, three steps to living a generous life. And I know when we talk about money in church, there's this immediate like, <gasps> but, but here's the thing. Again, we're just talking about everything in our life. And what I'm going to share with you today is not between you and me. It's between you and God. And there's absolutely no pressure. And I'm even going to talk to you about this later, that I want you to do some study and study God's word and pray for yourself to make sure that whatever you decide to do from what I tell you today is a faith thing, not a fear thing or just responding automatically to a person in authority, okay? So three steps to living a generous life. Number one, we need to begin to trust God with our tithe. Trust God with your tithe. Now, this is, for a lot of people, kind of a radical old school idea, but let me just tell you what tithe means. It means a tenth. And so uh, followers of Jesus historically have given 10% of the increase that God brings into their life, 10% into the church, and it's something that we return to the Lord. Now, you'll hear people say, well, I tithe to world missions or I tithe to TBN or something like that. Well, you, you can't actually do that. You can give to those types of organizations, but what the Bible calls a tithe is something that you bring into your spiritual community, your church. And so Bethany and I, we've been tithers since before we were married. 
I don't know how old she was when, when she started tithing, but probably what, five, six years old, one. Boom, church girl, what's up? I, uh, I was maybe a little bit older than that, but boys kind of develop. I think I was 18, but you know, we developed slower. You know the difference between men and savings bonds? Savings bonds eventually mature. So I was a very young boy, though. I was like you know, four or five years old when my parents began to say, listen, this is our practice that we do to honor God and put God first in every aspect of our life. We, we return our tithes. We give 10% of everything that comes in to the Lord. And what this does is it, it's, it's saying in a real tangible way where it actually affects and impacts your life that God is first and that you trust him with your resource and that you believe that by trusting God with that 10% of the first that comes in, that God can do with 90% above and beyond what you could do with 100. How many of you would just say like intellectually, I could see that if I'm honoring God in my finances, that 90% with God would surpass 100% without the blessing of God. Now, unless you think, man, this is like obscure and weird, I just want everybody to participate. If you are a follower of Jesus and you practice tithing, would you just raise your hand? Lift up the hands. Look all around you, okay? People in the church that God has stirred this in their heart. So I know a lot of people hear this and they're like, what the heck, man? This sounds like Old Testament. This is legalism and all this kind of stuff. No, it's not. It's something that mature followers of Jesus have seen. Now, everybody that does tithe, have you seen God faithfully bless your finances through that? Amen. Amen. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, this is a great verse. It's the only time in the Bible where God says, I actually want you to test me, like try me, I dare you in something. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great <clears throat> you won't have enough room to take it in. Does that sound good to anybody else? He says, try it. Put me to the test. I dare you. God is saying, come at me, bro. He's saying, you, you can test me on this. Like, this isn't one of those things that like just 100% by faith, you just step into, like God is saying, look, I understand that that area of life is, is it feels like this is mine, right? We're like those, those birds, mine, 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 mine. And God's saying, well, no, actually it's mine, right? And what do you mean? And we have tug of war here. God says, test me, put me to the test, see what will happen. And here's the thing about tithing. I don't check. I'm not gonna come and be like, oh, I'm checking on you if you're tithing. This is between you and God, but it's a test of obedience and trust and priority. Do you honor God enough? Do you trust God enough that if you were to follow through and do what, this, what his word tells us to do, that he would take care of you and be your provider? It's very powerful, so amazing, and he blesses you. So tithing very simply means giving to God a tenth of what he gives to you. Tithing does this really powerful thing in our hearts and our minds. It helps us to recognize that everything we have is actually God's. So the other thing that you'll hear me say is I don't necessarily say you give your tithe because you don't give your tithe. You pay your tithe. It's a command that God gives us. God basically, he puts it out as a bill to us. He says, look, or will you trust me with this tenth? So we return our tithe or we pay our tithe. We don't give our tithe because ultimately everything that we have is God's anyways. Unless you're the creator of the universe, unbeknownst to any of us, the rest of us, everything you have came from someone else, including your, your bone, your blood, your biology, your DNA, right? Like your breath. So we recognize that it all comes from God. And what God is doing here is a test of our 
trust? Are you going to put me first? And it's really powerful what it does because when you trust God with this, it turns over that area of your life and it's no longer under the curse of the, of the fall. It's no longer under the brokenness of our own perspective of finances. It becomes a blessing. So I'm going to move forward in this. But paying the tithe in a practical way means bringing our tithe into the storehouse, which for us is our local church. So Bethany and I, we work for Joy Church, but we bring our tithe into this storehouse. Why? Because this is our spiritual community. You are our spiritual family. This is where my children and my family are enriched spiritually. This is where the teaching and the relationship and accountability comes from, right? So one thing that people will do is, well, I'm not going to tithe to my church. Well, why? This is your family, you know, why would you say, oh, I'm going to go tithe to something else? Well, that, first of all, you can't. You bring it into the storehouse. That's what the word says, right? But it, isn't, it also just doesn't make sense logically. This is where, you, where we are in spiritual community. Now, I know that when pastors talk about money, there's always that thing like, well, what does he get out of this? And the reality is I don't get anything out of this. So we're employ, employed by the church, but our salary is set independently by a committee and we get paid by, the committee sets our pay. So you guys give a million dollars today, I don't get a raise. You hear what I'm saying? So I'm speaking to you like the hair club for men. I'm not just the president, I'm also a client, right? <laughs> I'm talking to you as a follower of Jesus. This is my wife and I, we practice this in our finances. Are you with me? Okay, so tithing means bringing your, that first fruit, that first of your income, that 10% into the storehouse that is then used for all of the expenses and ministry and outreach that we do together as a church. It pays the staff, it pays rent, ministry expenses, outreach evangelism, missions, church planting, benevolence. We have funds that we give to the poor, to local missions and ministry opportunities. But that tithe is between you and God. It's a test of obedience and discipline. And it, it demonstrates our trust and our priority. Is it with God? I remember when I was a kid, my dad was teaching us kids about this principle. And he did a brilliant thing one day um, my mom was shocked because he didn't usually do brilliant things, but he did this brilliant thing one day where he got a Butterfinger candy bar. And how many of you know Butterfinger is like, that's the Holy Spirit in a candy bar right there. How many of you like those Almond Joy? Those are nasty. Okay, put your hands down. Demonic. Anyways, the Butterfinger, my dad pulls it out. He's got my little sister there and she's a crumb cruncher. She's probably six or seven years old. My sister, Natalie. And he's like, Natalie, how'd you like this Butterfinger candy bar? She's like, mm-hmm hands her the butterfinger, she unwraps it, takes a bite, and he's like, Natalie, can I have a bite of that? And she looks up at him. It's like the little girl from the Pixar movie, you know, big eyes, doe eyes, and she's looking at him like, Daddy, you gave this to me. And he says, Honey, would you, would you trust me? Would you give Daddy a bite of that candy bar? And she kind of reluctantly hands it over, and my dad takes a big old bite out of it, right? She's like, <laughs> It's like Jurassic World, you know, and just takes this massive bite out of it and hands her back the nub. And she's just, you know, she doesn't cry. She's kind of in shock, I think, you know, and, and I know she's trying to process this. And he just looked at her and he said, thank you, honey, for trusting your dad. Pulls out a brand new Butterfinger bar and hands it to her. And she remembers that. He remembers that, right? He was communicating something. Everything that you have comes from God. Everything that that I tell my kids, everything you have comes from me, right? <laughs> I just want them to understand where the source is. You see these walls around here? You didn't pay for them with cuteness. Like mom and I did this, you know? But everything comes from God. And will we trust God? That when you give God a bite, when you return to him something, when he asks for it, that God has way more. Because you can never outgive God. I mean, you just can't. You can't give out God 
outgive him in worship. You can't outgive him in service. You can't outgive him in love. You can't outgive him in, in finances. You, you can't. He always will bless you above and beyond. Okay, let's move on. So free will offerings. When, when we talk about giving an offering, that is above and beyond the 10% that we return to the Lord. So Bethany and I, when we first got married, we, we didn't really know any better, but we were just wanted to be generous. So we paid our tithe and we also would give 10, 15, and 20, and sometimes even 25% above and beyond out of our income to all kinds of things, world missions, to the poor, just to people in the church that God put on our heart. Several years ago, we, were in a, we weren't in Joy Church, it was a different church, but the, some people had visited and God just put it in our heart to give them $1,000. And so we just, I'm like, babe, I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. She's like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. No, she didn't at all. She's way more generous than me. She knew that if I said it, it was God, right? Because, uh, yeah. And so we, were just, we just gave it, okay? And we were blessed to do that, and it was a blessing to those people. But that's a free will offering, right? So every month, Bethany and I give to lots of different things. We've supported Compassion International for many years. We give to campus missionaries at Oregon State because they need the gospel up there, right? I mean, the ducks were good, but they need it up there in Oregon State. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. But that's free will offerings. It's above and beyond our tithe. And we're so blessed to give. But that's the number one thing that steps to generosity, living a generous life. Trust God with your tithe. I'm going to go fast because I know our time is running out. And you guys want a t-shirt, huh? All right. Number two, defeat debt and control your spending. Defeat debt and control your spending. These things go hand in hand. How many of you are blessed to be debt-free in your life? Like You're like, man, praise God. I've been able to break through, Okay. That was not Bethany and I. We started our marriage with about twenty dollars to $25,000 in credit card debt. Two 22-year-old kids getting married, having twenty-five dollars in credit card debt. We had three cars, BMW, did not own it, paying payments. Two Jeeps my wife had, two Jeeps, a Jeep Grand Cherokee and a Wrangler. Both really cool, both on credit cards, right? No, not credit cards. You owned one. She owned one. Give her a hand, folks. Come on. She owned one. But we had... So much debt, and let me tell you what debt does. The scripture says that debt, the borrower is slave to the lender. Debt will make the food that you eat turn to dust in your mouth. I remember we'd go out to eat. My parents would invite us. Let's go to Olive Garden. Let's go to Red Lobster or Red Robin or whatever. And, and I'm eating unlimited fries. And every time I put one in my mouth, it's sour because I know I can't afford it because it's going on a credit card. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And listen, God has a plan for your life where you're not a slave to anything. The only thing you're a slave to is the call of God in your life to be a kingdom ambassador. Come on, a, a slave of Christ, laying your life down willingly. God doesn't want you to be in debt. God wants to teach you to, to, to defeat debt and to experience freedom. But you got to develop the wisdom and the knowledge. You have to control your spending and get a hold of that, get new habits, new thinking in the area of finances before you begin to see that breakthrough, right? So here's what I want to encourage you. We've been talking about being generous towards God, but one of the best ways we can actually begin to live a generous life towards God is to get our finances in order. I'm excited in the month of February or January, don't take my word for it, but sometime in the next year, we're going to do an entire series about financial fitness and equip, uh, give teaching. We're going to run a Financial Peace University, but we want to uh, as a church congregation, elevate any person that wants that education and that teaching. Bethany and I didn't have it. We were 22 years old when we, or maybe a little older, 23 or 24, when we started to hear that Tennessee and Dave Ramsey guy, right? And, we, and he got in my head and we're like, okay, we need to do this. But we want to help everybody get financially fit because when you are 
financially fit and you have freedom in your life, it actually helps you to be generous, right? Where you're not locked down in debt and all this kind of stuff. But it has to be a heart change because it's not just enough to know what to do. God has to get a hold of your heart where your life is not about satisfying every whim and fancy that you have. Just because you have a credit card doesn't mean you should use it. Come on. You ever seen that Saturday Night Live skit where he's like, <laughs> it's Steve Martin and he says, you mean we, we don't have enough money and we shouldn't buy it? Yes, you shouldn't buy it. It's a new financial book. It's called, if you don't have the money, don't buy it, right? It's great. You need to look it up. So the second step to living a generous life, defeat debt, control your spending. They go hand in hand. Ask yourself this question. Do your financial decisions reflect kingdom values or worldly values? Because that helps you make good decisions with your money. Is this just satisfying me and my desire right now? Or is this actually something I need to spend money on? Is this helping my relationship with God? All right, number three. And we'll get ready to go eat something delicious today. Beat all the other churches to the best restaurants. All right, number three. Dare God to bless you. Dare God to bless you. I love this story in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God's speaking to a man named Abram. He says, leave your home, leave your lands, leave your place. He says, go to this, this new land I'm going to show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I'm going to make you famous. I'll make your name great. And he says, I'm going to bless you, Abram. I'm going I'm to make you, I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. The promise of God is that God wants to bless his children so that we can be a blessing to others. Let me tell you a prayer I pray all the time. I say, God, if you get it to me, you'll get it through me. Come on, this works for the gospel. God, if your grace, if you get your grace to me, you're gonna get it through me. I'm gonna share. The grace and mercy that you've put into me, I'm gonna share, it's gonna get through me. It goes with resources. God, if you get it to me, if you'll bless me, God, if you'll pour out, like you said in, in Malachi 3, the, the windows of heaven, that great blessing. I'm talking about finances, resources, opportunities, new jobs, all kinds of things that God can do. Listen, if your heart is in alignment with God's purposes and you're like, God, if you would bless me, I wouldn't just hold it to myself, but Lord, I would be a blessing to others. Do you not think as a business owner in this room today that if you aligned yourself and said, God, would you bless me so that I can be a blessing to others that God isn't gonna bless you? Maybe for some of you, the financial breakthrough you've been waiting for has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the heart and how you see resources. Because you, what you might've been saying is, God, I'll be generous when you bless me. And what you might need to say is, God, I'm gonna start being a blessing. I'm gonna start being generous. God, change my heart. Let me be generous now. And then let that flow begin to take place in your life. I asked a lot of people, I said, hey, when you've trusted God with your tithe, has God come through for you? Bethany and I have seen in tremendous ways in our story, God bless us as we had a heart to be a blessing to others. So live your life in a way that's daring God to bless you. I'll finish with this story. I remember years ago, I was in a, a, another country and I was serving on a missions trip and I was witnessing abject poverty. And I was really moved by this. We were just looking at these villagers and seeing where they lived and how they lived. And I was guilty and I was almost ashamed. I'm sitting in an airport and I'm like, God, I feel so embarrassed about all that I have. And I wasn't rich by American standards in any way, but I just, I saw this abject poverty and the Holy Spirit spoke something very clearly to me. He just said, Jake, I don't want you to have empty hands. I want you to have open hands. God's heart is not that we would all be poor, 
God's heart is that we would all be blessed and be a blessing to the poor and elevate the poor so there aren't poor people anymore. I didn't mean to rhyme, but I'm a poet and I didn't know it. God isn't looking for the world to be de-escalated and de-elevate everybody and bring everybody into like a monastery and we all have one robe and we all eat, you know, moldy bread. That's not the point. God wants to bless people in this room in a radical way if he can get it through you. God doesn't want you to have empty hands. He just wants those hands to be open, to say, God, whatever you would place in my hands is yours. God, it was yours to begin with. It's yours now. And I live for your kingdom. I don't live for me, my own needs, my own desires. I live for you. I trust in you. And when you have this generous heart posture, do you know what has no hold over you? Worry, fear, regret, like debt. Like that stuff disappears when you have open hands to God. So I want to challenge you today as we talk about giving our life away, this new way to be human. Do you have a generous heart? Ask God to give you a generous heart. Respond in faith to the things that I shared with you. Now, real quick, before we move on, I know I talked about tithing and I don't want any of you to start tithing right now. You're like, well, you just told us we need to trust God in this. Yeah, I, I want you to, but I want you to do it in faith and in knowledge. The apostle Paul commended the Bereans he said, you've studied the scriptures. I commend you for that to make sure these things were so. So one of the things that I wanna challenge you to do is if you go on joyeugene.com to our website, the Give tab, underneath that, there's a position paper written by Pastor Dave Patterson all about tithing. And he does a far better job than I could ever do talking about it. But he goes through the scriptures and lays out that principle. And what I would encourage each of you to do is if you feel God stirring your heart in this area, then I want you to go and study that and search and see man, is this what God's word says? Because I don't want you to respond to my word as your pastor just because I'm up here speaking to you. I want God to do something in your heart and you respond to his word. Because here's the thing, if your response is to me, that's not faith. But if your response is to God, that's faith and that's where things change. And I want you guys to know our church doesn't need money. I'm not talking about this because we're, we're under budget or whatever. We're far above budget. We are doing great, we're generous, we're giving more than ever, we're doing more for the community, like we are abundantly blessed. We're talking about this because it's about following Jesus 100%. So I wanna encourage you to go and look at that and search that out before you make a decision in that area. But I believe God's gonna open your eyes and he's gonna invite you into this awesome heart of generosity, really, really cool. As we get ready to close today, I know every single week people come to church looking for life, for hope, for purpose, for answers. Maybe you came to church today because a friend dragged you in and said, not drugged you. If you came because somebody drugged you, please identify yourself. We're going to help you <laughs> get out of whatever situation you're in. But a friend brought you along and maybe you saw a TV commercial or a Facebook ad or whatever. And those were the mechanisms by which you came, but that's not why you're here. You're here because the Holy Spirit of God brought you to this place. And he wants you to know something. Before you can be generous to God, before you can have a generous heart, you have to take the position of a receiver and receive the most generous act that anyone ever did, ever, ever, which is that God gave his only son to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins. God's is the, he's the ultimate generous heart. And he emptied the riches of heaven. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus leaving the right hand of the Father, emptying himself, coming down to this planet to get into the mud with us, to, to be with us, to take on human flesh, to be sinless and perfect, to give his life. That when we trust in him and his sacrifice and what he gave to each and every one of us, that we can be right with God.